Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder, Communications Specialist. Today is Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. On this day in 1842, Texas troops defeated a Mexican invasion at the Battle of Lipantitlan. The Mexican incursion, part of a pattern of attack and counterattack between Mexico and the Republic of Texas, was commanded by Antonio Canales Rocio. Adjutant General James Davis and Captain Ewan Cameron led a mutinous, disorganized, and ill-supplied command, which nevertheless succeeded in defeating a Mexican force three times its size. Now on to today's podcast. Please note, nothing in this podcast should be considered legal advice. For advice on a particular situation, consult an attorney. Easements for electric lines and pipelines crisscross many miles of Texas land. Many of these easements exist without incident for decades, but sometimes the change in circumstances leaves the easement owners and the landlords in a dispute. Exactly what rights are included in the easement? How much easement is in the easement? The court is tasked with deciding. Three Texas cases illustrate how the courts solve these mysteries under Texas law. Center research attorney Rusty Adams delves into these cases in his latest article, Who Knows What Easement Lurks? He joins us today to share the details. Thanks for being here. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common reasons for an easement dispute? Well, first of all, many cases arise because of a dispute about whether an easement exists at all. The uh, cases in my article all deal with express easements, but there are types of easements that may exist, but they're not in writing. Uh, Implied easements, easements by estoppel, easements by necessity, prescriptive easements. It's important to remember that even if such an easement exists, you can't really rely on it unless and until it's recognized by the court so that there's something of record. So often the dispute is, is there an easement or not? Even when there isn't a dispute about the existence of an easement, disputes can arise. So often easements are about access and the people involved are neighbors. So disputes can arise for a lot of reasons. Who can use it? Who has to maintain it and to what degree? Can you fence it off? Can you put up a gate? Can you lock the gate? There are cattle in the road. Where exactly is it? What rights does it include? All sorts of reasons why folks might get their nose out of joint. And in some of those last questions, you start getting into the territory of these cases, which I discuss in the article. So in your article, you reviewed these three cases related to easements. Can you give a brief overview of each case? Sure. What courts often try to decide is how much easement is in the easement. Uh, What rights does it include and what doesn't it include? So I kind of set it in the mystery setting of the classic radio program, The Shadow. But they're not just three random cases. They illustrate the progression of the development of the case law on these issues. These cases all deal with the expansion of easements for linear construction projects. And a little context might help. Many of our listeners know this, but many probably don't. When you're reading case law, it helps to understand how case law is used in the courtroom. 
case law is different from what we normally think of as the law. When we say the law, we usually think of codes of statutes made up by the legislature, and case law is different. Whenever an appellate court decides a case, it writes an opinion, and that opinion becomes what we call case law. So when two parties go into a courtroom, they find opinions written about previous cases with similar facts, and they find out how the court ruled on those cases. And the plaintiff will go in there and say, look, judge, here's the rule in this case, and it should apply in our case because it's a very broad rule, and the facts are just like ours. And then the defendant has his turn and says, no way, judge, that was a very narrow ruling, and it was intended to apply only to that specific set of facts, and our facts are completely different. And then the court's tasked with making the decision. So with that in mind, the, the first case is Knox versus Pioneer Natural Gas. An express grant gives Pioneer the right to put in a pipeline and a telegraph and telephone line. The document said they could enter the property in order to make additions to, improvements on, and repairs to the lines, and to keep, maintain, remove, or replace the lines. It did not say exactly where the easement was or how wide it was. For the first 10 years, there was an 8-inch pipe and a 10-inch pipe. Later, they replaced the 10-incher with a 15-inch low-pressure line. Nobody had a problem with that. But 27 years after the easement was granted, they wanted to replace both lines with a 15-inch high-pressure line, and Knox did not like that. So Knox went to the court saying, they put the pipeline in this location, they cleared a 30-foot right-of-way, and used it for 27 years. And the case law says that if they do that, the location and width become fixed and definite. They can't change it. And the court said, nope, the deed says sufficient width to permit the pipeline. The deed says they can enter for the purpose of making additions, improvements, and repairs. The deed says keep, maintain, remove, and replace. And that means they can go in and make these changes. And a prescriptive easement is fixed by use, but an express easement depends on the language of the document that creates it. And unless the grant says otherwise, it's assumed that the parties contemplated that that use might change over time. An easement carries with it the right to do whatever is reasonably necessary for the full enjoyment of the easement. Now, remember that line, because we're going to see it again. And by the way, full enjoyment doesn't mean that they're having a great time out there. It means that they're using the rights to which they're entitled. The second case is Houston Pipeline versus Dwyer. The easement was granted in writing, and the parties used a printed form that said the easement was granted to lay, maintain, operate, repair, and remove a pipeline. Only before they signed it, they'd gone in there and struck out and remove. And they also took out a paragraph that authorized the construction of additional pipelines. And also, there was a part that said they could remove the pipeline, but only when the easement terminated. The document did not describe the location of the easement or how wide it was. So, they built a pipeline, 18-inch pipeline, that they used for 33 years. Then, the pipeline company stopped using it for a few weeks, took it out, and replaced it with a 30-inch line. Dwyer said, you stopped transporting gas, 
and remove the line, and either one of those things terminates the easement. And even if it didn't, you can't replace the pipe with a bigger one. The pipeline company points to the Knox case. Remember when you said the easement holder could do whatever is reasonably necessary to its enjoyment? And the court said, and this is the Texas Supreme Court, nope, this is different from Knox. In Knox, the instrument granted rights greater than what was actually used. In Knox, it said of sufficient width, and it included the right to enter for purposes of adding, improving, repairing, keeping, maintaining, removing, and replacing. In this case, all it said was, lay, construct, maintain, operate, and repair. The court said a grant in general terms becomes fixed and certain once the pipe is lain. But see, it's a fact-specific inquiry. Finally, we take a look at a relatively recent case, Swepco versus Lynch. In Swepco, the easement defined the right-of-way, but it did not say how wide it was. Swepco had the right to enter to construct, reconstruct, inspect, patrol, hang new wires, maintain, and remove an electric transmission line. The easements were pretty specific about certain limits on the numbers of poles and things, but it gave Swepco the right to increase them by paying the landowners additional compensation. So, Swepco built the line. They built it on wooden poles, and for decades they only used a 30-foot strip. Well, they decided they needed more. They wanted to put in metal poles, and they decided they wanted to increase the width. They came in and said, hey, landowners, we have a general easement. We can use as much as is reasonably necessary, but just to be neighborly, we want you to agree that we can widen this thing to 100 feet, and we're going to pay you a little for your trouble. Well, some of the landowners were okay with that, but some were not, and that's how we ended up at the courthouse. Swepco said, we have a general easement. It carries with it the right to do whatever is reasonably necessary for its full enjoyment. And like in Knox, the grant includes a lot of language about additional rights and future use. And Lynch said, no. Remember Dwyer? Once the pipe is laid, the, the width is fixed. And the court agreed with Swepco that this was more like Knox. This easement was a general easement, which includes the right to unlimited reasonable use. This is the, the phrase the court used, unlimited reasonable use, such as is reasonably necessary and convenient, and as little burdensome as possible to the landowner. So it's important to note that even this type of easement is limited. The holder must use it in a reasonable manner and only to the extent reasonably necessary. And also, any express terms in the agreement will be enforced. How can a potential easement owner avoid disputes? Well, as the cases illustrate, the best way to avoid disputes is to avoid confusion. And the best way to avoid confusion is to write everything down in great detail. Now, that presents special challenges. For one thing, at the time the easement paperwork is drafted, the parties usually have a pretty good idea what it is they're agreeing to. So the things that go without saying, so to speak, don't get said. They don't make it into the writing. 
And those issues may not come up for decades. And because most easements run with the land, by the time the issues come up, you're very often not dealing with the same people anymore on either side. And as the article illustrates, the number one inquiry by the court, and often the only inquiry by the court, is what do the documents say? I say the only inquiry because the court usually doesn't consider anything other than the documents unless something in the documents is ambiguous. As an example, in Swepco versus Lynch, there was a dispute about extrinsic evidence. And the court said, no, if there's no ambiguous language in the documents, we're not going to allow any testimony about the circumstances or what was said or what the parties intended. That only comes in if the documents are ambiguous. As someone who's drafted legal documents, I can tell you that one of the most frustrating things about it is that you never know when you're through. And what I mean by that is that when you're drafting an easement agreement, you can't possibly foresee and deal with every problem that might possibly arise in the future. People are really good at coming up with things to be mad about. So you write down what you can come up with and everybody signs it and hopefully that's good enough. But yeah, all the things we just talked about, common reasons for disputes, put them in the agreement or the deed or whatever document is creating the easement. A lot of people will lament the length of modern legal documents. Well, one reason they're getting longer is that we have certain cases where there was a dispute over something and we want to avoid having that case all over again. And so we put a paragraph in the document about it. And uh, longtime San Antonio attorney Carrie Barton uh, also noted that one reason for the long documents is the modern word processing software. Used to, you had to go to your secretary and they had to put paper and carbons into a typewriter and produce several copies. And now it's easy to add a paragraph and reprint. And that may result in longer documents, but longer documents can be your friend. In, in most cases, if it keeps you out of a courtroom, it's your friend. Well, thank you so much for coming on. appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Haley. Thanks again, Rusty. For more, see his article, Who Knows What Easement Lurks? We included a link to the article on our podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box. Note that nothing in this article or in this podcast should be considered legal advice. Consult an attorney for advice on a particular situation. If you're looking for more, browse through our research library. It includes a wide variety of economic reports and real estate articles. Our latest topics include homeowners insurance, Corpus Christi housing affordability, private rights to property, rental tax issues, an employment report, and more. We posted a link to our research library on our podcast webpage. That's going to be it for today's podcast. If you're looking for more from the Texas Real Estate Research Center, head to our website. That's www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, blogs, news, and more. You can also check out the Center's News Talk Texas database, which is updated daily with the biggest headlines in Texas real estate. You can also subscribe to Recon, our bi-weekly newsletter, to get all the biggest stories sent straight to your inbox. 
To stay up to date on when articles are published on our website, follow the Texas Real Estate Research Center on social media. You can find us with the handle at RECenterTX on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. For more podcasts like these, you can subscribe on iTunes or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thanks for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reeder, and I'll see you next time. Bye.